0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network, where we take a closer look each week at the wide, weird, and wonderful world of running. I'm your host, Jonathan Ellsworth. I'm also the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Off the Couch is presented by CBG Trails, The CBG Trails app is the only complete trail map app of Crested Butte and the Gunnison Valley, Colorado. So download the app today and start exploring. Nell Rojas is quite a fascinating person, and she's fast. So fast that on February 29th, she's got a shot at making the U.S. marathon team Despite the fact that she competed in her first marathon in 2018, where she ran 2.31.23. And she followed that up with a 2019 win of the very competitive Grandma's Marathon. Yes, that was her second marathon, with a time of 2.28.06. And now, the Olympic trials are just around the corner. So we talked to Nell about her very interesting background, the dynamics of being coached by her dad, Rick Rojas, a very accomplished runner himself, her uncommon emphasis on strength training, low mileage, and speed work, and more. Here we go. Well, Nell, how are you today and where are you today?
1: I'm doing good. I'm. I'm doing really well, um, which is something I haven't been able to say um, for a while. I am in Tucson, Arizona. I'm actually in Green Valley, which is just um, south of Tucson, almost to the border, um, where it's nice and warm. And I'm not in Boulder, where it's freezing and (laughs) snowy.
0: (laughs) Is this what you mean by you haven't been able to say that you've been doing well? Uh, Is this uh, the fact that you're out of the cold?
1: Oh, um. No, actually, the last day I was in Boulder, I got really lucky. It was like seventy-five degrees, and then I left that night. And then the next day, the snowstorm
0: happened. Ah, okay, yeah,
1: that was referring to. Um, I've just been sick. Uh, I, I got that virus that everyone got.
0: The coronavirus.
1: <laughs> for, well, <laughs> luckily know. not the coronavirus.
0: Whew. Oh man, <laughs> that's really good. I was real worried, yeah. real worried there for a I'm, minute. Uh,
1: oh, no. <laughs> it could be worse, I guess, right?
0: Could be worse. Well, this is this is fun. Um, I'm I'm happy to be speaking with you. We're gonna get a chance to talk about some things that we really haven't talked that much about yet on Off the Couch. So uh and given your background and giving a bit given a bit of my background, uh, this is gonna be fun. So let's talk a little bit about your your background before we get to some big deal upcoming stuff you've got. Talk a little bit about where you grew up and what you were into as a kid.
1: I grew up in Boulder. I'm really lucky. I'm one of uh, people call me a unicorn when they find that out. Um, (laughs) Of course, I know a lot of people that grew up in Boulder as well, but um, they usually spread their wings and go somewhere else. Cool. Um, But I can't leave Folder because I don't know why just the curse of Chief Naiwat, um, <laughs> look it up. But um, okay. so I grew up um, really active, athletic. So I played soccer, loved soccer. I played basketball, then loved basketball even more. And I was always like this bigger. Girl, so I've been like this height. I'm 5'5". five. I've been this height since I was in kindergarten. So I was destined for the WNBA, and I would just tower over people and like basically I was dunking when I was in kindergarten. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> this, this Shaquille O'Neal of Boulder,
1: exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so I grew up, you know, just running around little girl i like to compete i like to do sports um yeah
0: all right the basketball thing i've just got to ask any favorite players any favorite team were you a nuggets fan
1: um no i was a michael jordan fan Good,
0: good answer given that i'm originally from chicago and used to like watch Jordan play at old Chicago stadium. This is you've, you're, you're just endearing me to you right now. So (laughs) keep keep talking.
1: Oh, I mean, I had MJ posters all over my room. My first email address was MJBball1 at (laughs) hotmail.com. Yes. (laughs) Um, and then other than that, I really followed. So it was Michael Jordan. And then I followed, um, college women's basketball so you know I really liked UConn I really liked Tennessee I went to all the CU women's games
0: that's awesome yeah okay so you are destined for the WNBA but then like I don't know what sixth grade hits or third grade hits and yeah. <laughs> what? Well, tell me what happened when you're like wait maybe maybe not the WNBA
1: um so I guess it was so I was really good, um, and then what happened was I think the summer after freshman year of high school, I went, I was on a traveling team, like a club team, and we traveled to like North Carolina, and we played all these really good teams with all these girls that were huge, and I got really, really scared after that, and after that trip, I was just never the same. And like my confidence level went way down, and I never recovered from it, which is which ended up being fine. I still played basketball um, until s- my senior year and loved it, but um, it ended up being fine because in high school is really when my running I really became more passionate about running and you know found some strengths there, and so it was okay.
0: <laughs> well, talk to me about that side. When did you, did you run cross country or track and field in high school?
1: Um, I ran both. Okay. Um, yeah. So I ran, it was cross country in the fall and then in the winter is basketball and spring it was track.
0: What running events did you first start doing or did you, did you kind of immediately gravitate to, I mean, cross country, there's kind of a fixed length, but In track and field, what events were you doing?
1: I mean, I think probably my favorite was the mile. But basically, when you're in, at least in Colorado or in that region, everyone, every distance runner, and I'm, you know, in quotations, distance runner, it's really mid-distance, but every distance runner does the 800, the mile, and the two-mile, um... And so, you know, your coach just throws you in for events and they're usually all of them. So I did everything from the 400. I was on the four by four team to the I don't think I did the two mile. I think I protested. So
0: (laughs) that's just a mile. Yeah, (laughs) it's
1: too far. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's too far. Exactly. Which event did you like the best?
1: Um, I think the mile. Yeah, I think I like the mile. I, I ran 516 in high school at altitude, which at the time was okay. It wasn't, you know, I made it to state and I think I was like, maybe like fifth at state one year or something. I don't even remember. But I mean, I was having fun. And now I, I coach a lot of high school girls. And it's like, I was like, you know, I'm a private club coach. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, like, I didn't do this. I wasn't like doing this out of season. I wasn't doing these plyos. I wasn't doing this, all this extra stuff. I was just like, I showed up to practice after school and I'd be like, all right, what's the workout? I had basketball shorts on a wife beater on, you know? (laughs) So I think it's different nowadays, but I was, I was competitive for back, back then.
0: How does that difference feel to you? Like watching some of the, the high school athletes you're working with now and get the sense you're saying like, man, they're, they're kind of more say dialed or focused than you were. Strikes me that there could be pros and cons to that. But in your experience with the people you're working with, are you mostly like just impressed and think they're handling this well? Or do you sometimes think like, you guys should just go be kids and like, I don't know, play video games or something?
1: That's a great, that's a great question. Um, I, I am, when I was that age, I really think that I would have jumped at the chance to have a private coach because I've always been like really at whatever I'm doing. I'm, I always like, like to like work really hard at it and like be like, i shoot a hundred shots a day from the free throw line or whatever. Um, so I'm like, wow, these kids are so lucky. Um, And, but also, I mean, these kids, I don't, I think my, I'm so successful because I started my marathon career when I was 31 years old and that's when I was mature enough. And that's when I was happy to start it. Um, and I think these kids that are, you know, there's a school in Boulder Fairview these kids are basically 45 years old. They do seven hours of homework because they all want to go to Stanford and they're all in the IB program, which is insane. And then they work on their sport and some of them can handle it well, but I would say maybe, uh, 2% can handle it well. (laughs) And otherwise I would recommend all of these kids to just, be a kid and have fun and it'll come, you know, um, work hard when, when they come to practice, but, you know, take this opportunity to run around.
0: <laughs> yep. And also curious, are some of these kids you're working with, are they, are they playing other sports or have they already focused in on like mid distance or long distance running?
1: I think most of them are multi-sport athletes until high school and then they decide usually it's after their freshman year or midway through their freshman year what they want to focus on and then they do that all year in clubs or however and and I think it's fine for some athletes. Um, and I think other athletes, I think it's great that I think it would be better if they were to, you know, be like swim or play basketball or whatever. Um, like I did, I think that was really important for me to have that break and kind of develop different skills and my athleticism a little bit more, but then, you know, comes in to play, um, parents, um, older parents, especially who a lot of them are just ready to send their kids to the Olympics (laughs) and you're like, Oh gosh, you know? And so I think a lot of pressure comes from parents, even though, even if they are not meaning to put pressure on it, I think they just, they just want their kids to be good, you know, which is hard.
0: So do you end up talking with some of them and saying like, hey, you know, have you thought about like trying to play basketball or swimming or or do you just kind of say, well, apparently the kids and their parents have already kind of made certain decisions here. And so you look at your role as just helping them in the specific way that you are there to help them.
1: Yeah, um, it depends what kind of relationship I have with them. And I like kids to dictate what they want and what what their goals are. And I'll, I'll help them. I help them set the goals, but I need them to dictate what's going to happen. Um, I don't like to push kids because that's going to be the worst thing for their career. Um, and usually if a kid, you know, there's a lot of things factors that can play into it so if a kid comes up to me and says I want to play basketball but I really want to do well in track and what do you think the best thing is then you know we we do sit down and we go over and we talk about it and it might be different for one kid than the other kid um but a lot of a lot of it like I mentioned before is parents and that's where um that's where I lose clients or I lose athletes. I lose, you know, people that I could be making money off of because it's like, look, I'm not going to put your kid through this. I'm not going to make your kid run this many miles a week. And I'm not going to tell your kid that they should do this or this or this because I, that that's what you want, you know? So I think it goes both ways.
0: I guess to get a bit personal here, you yourself had a parent- who (laughs) was a very good runner, um, in his day, your dad, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I'm, if I'm curious to know, like, did you come up feeling any pressure on the running side in that or how, as, as the kid and, you know, we're talking about all these kids and they've got parents that are maybe pushing them into a focus or something. What was your experience?
1: Yeah. Um, I got really lucky. Um, and the, my dad, I mean, now he's over the moon, excited and proud and happy that I'm doing this. And he loves coaching me and he loves everything that we do. Like, for example, yesterday we did a track workout and he was like, after we finish any workout, he's just like, oh my God, that was so much fun. Whoa. You know, and, but growing up, you know, he, he, I've two older brothers and they didn't become runners or athletes. And he he really understood that we just wanted to be happy and he supported whatever we wanted. And he came to all my basketball games. Um, you know, he played baseball with me. He played, you know, so luckily he was understanding and didn't push running. I mean, I I definitely had some pressure because – Everyone was like, oh, you must be a good runner, but I don't think that came from my dad. No.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. And uh yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've got this notion that basically <laughs> parents should maybe I should be careful. I don't have kids, so yeah, I, you know, I know everyone <laughs> can feel free to reject uh, this. But it just seems kind of obvious that like if you are a parent. Your job is to raise like an independent thinking human being. Emphasis on independent. They're not little versions of you and like then support figure out what that child is passionate about and do your best to support and or open up different possibilities, show them kind of the world and and uh this whole thing about like you're going to now be a mini version of me. It's like, that's freaking right. weird.
1: Or just like not even a mini version of them. Or just like, I decided you're going to get a scholarship for running, you know, because I was never a good runner. <laughs> you know, it's just like, what? right. Like, right. Just support your kid, <laughs> you know? And and I have some amazing athletes. I have, um, one of my sprinters just ran the fastest, 200 in Colorado ever indoors and his parents are just they just support him they don't push him they they just support they're like this is what you want to do okay we will support you I have another girl who ran it last year she won state in the mile and the eight her parents they just support her you know they they're like if this makes you happy we're you know and those kids are the most successful kids I have I have seen. The, the, the kids with the parents being pushy or you know their idea of supportive is those kids are the ones that will not be successful in their sport, I'm not saying in something else, but in that sport. They won't do it for a long time.
0: Okay, we made it up, I think through high school with you. And then you said you started your marathon career at 31. So we got to fill in some distance here between high school and 31.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was lucky. I, I walked on to University of Northern Arizona um, cross-country and track program, which ends up being top track and field and, or cross-country program in the U.S., um and I walked on every year. I got a little bit better, a little bit better. And so I ended up with a full scholarship, which was awesome. Um, I had a good time there, I had a lot of really good opportunities. It ended up being a good program for me. And then, you know, like I think most collegiate runners, or some, I was pretty burnt out by the end of it. Um on running, and and so I I graduated and, um, my dad was like, well, I think you'd be a really good triathlete. Do you want to try it? And I was like, sure, let's try it out. Um, ended up loving it. Um, and it kind of like re-inspired me to compete and to, you know, be passionate again. So got into that. I was a professional triath- triathlete for a couple years until, um, I had to start making money. <laughs> because I didn't <laughs> want to live with my mom anymore, <laughs> um, and so ended that. And then I just trained for fun. I mean, I was always competitive. I trained for fun. I did. I got into obstacle course racing a little bit, dabble in that, and that t- takes me up to when I did my first marathon. I was going to get back into triathlons again. And I wanted to do an Ironman. So I was, I signed up for a marathon first and that went really well. And so I was okay, like,
0: what year was that?
1: Oh, that was, um, well, that was a uh, CIM 2000 December. So that would be 2018.
0: 2018, 2008, man. This is re- yeah. As you said, this is, we're going to be now talking about some very recent history. So SIM yeah. 2018, first, yeah. that's the first marathon you ever ran. Yes. And and let's, for a sec, so you said it went well. What does that mean?
1: Um. So my dad was coaching me, or he still is, and he was like, okay, I want you to go out in 6.15 and just stay there until you can't bear it any longer. And he really wanted me to take, he was like, no, and he, he he has a lot of confidence in me, and he really believes in me. So he's like, Nell, this is going to be a long career for you. Start this first marathon. He's like, we're not in a rush. Just go through the motions, try it out, and then we'll get faster, we'll get faster, we'll get faster. So he's like, go out in 6.15 um, and just jog it. And I'm like, okay, so I started, um, I think I started at like six, probably six, just over six minute pace. Um, and just got faster, faster. I got into a group with this group that, um, halfway through the marathon, I heard these guys talking and they're like, what are you going to run? Or what, what's your goal to this other guy? And he was like, "Oh, 230, two And I like, at that point I was like looking around, like oh shit, like I am, I am way (laughs) Uh off. Like, what am I doing here? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But at that point, like I looked back and there was no one behind me. So I, I, and there was like 12 guys running in this pack with me. So I was like, I guess this is it. Um, And that, that actually happened to be the, um, it was USA national or marathon championships. And I, I was seventh um, in 231.20, 231.18 or something. And, you know, I finished and um, everyone was really impressed. And I was like, was that good? I, I don't know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I have no clue. Apparently it was good. Um, so at that point, and, and like not that hard. Like I was like, that was, that was not, you
0: felt okay. You felt okay at the end of that.
1: I mean, it was like, it was definitely hard, but it was like, I was like, yeah, I could definitely go faster. Um, so at that point I decided to ditch triathlon, which I was like relieved about, um, and sign up for another marathon. Um, so yeah, that was my first one.
0: Wow. Uh, just for the record, if you ever ask me to like, go play basketball with you I will say yes if you ever ask me to go on a jog with you I am definitely going to say no just just want to be clear about
1: that
0: okay (laughs) like yeah I can jog can you I'm not sure I believe you I
1: can jog. yeah
0: I'm not sure I believe you what what did your dad say what did your coach say Was he, he's like, you know, he did this great pep talk at the beginning. This is going to be a long career. You go easy. Was he mad at you? Was he, was he (laughs) like, um, way to follow instructions? Was he excited?
1: No, he was, I mean, he was crying. um, Huh. huh. As he does when he's really proud of me. And he's just, Uh. I mean, I think he was, he was shocked. I think he's like, (laughs) He, I mean, he didn't, he knew I could do it, but I don't think he could do it. He knew I could do that that day. Um, and my mom, um, said that she was with him during the race and she said that he was like really nervous. And he was like, cause he, you know, I saw him at like five places and, and every time he was like, she's going too fast. Oh my God. She's going too fast. Okay. But then he was like, but she still looks good, you know? Um, so he wasn't mad. No, of course he wasn't mad. Um, I think he was, he was just, he was happy.
0: (laughs) Uh, This is fascinating. I love this father, daughter, coach, athlete relationship thing. Um, you've already made clear that this, I I think everyone already gets a sense. This is a good, this is a good relationship. This is a good coach athlete situation you're in. I I think that's a safe assumption given what you've sort of said so far. So, let me ask you what's the hardest part either hardest part or the worst part of of what we're already saying is a good, right? We're yeah. saying this is a good <laughs> situation you're in. But is there the trickiest element?
1: Oh man, it's tricky. <laughs> um it goes both ways. Obviously like something like this is like it could be it could be so so good and it can be like so so bad. Um And like, like I've said before, um, he was my triathlon coach. Um, and when he was my triathlon coach, this was probably in 2013, 14, maybe, you know, another thing is I work with my dad, we coach together. Um, he is my coach and, you know, so there's a lot of lines, there's a lot of things going on and, we stopped talking when he was my triathlon coach for a year because we got in a big fight. It was just, it was just too much, you know, and there was too much going on with me as a triathlete and trying to make it and not having money and being overtrained. And so anyways, we stopped talking for a year, um, slowly started talking and, um, now, you know, we have a really great relationship, but It's, it's really easy to, um, to get mad at your dad (laughs) when you have a bad workout or you don't feel good or you're nervous. I mean, before my, both my marathons, I was like, I was, I was mad at him because I was like, this wasn't hard. I didn't run enough. I didn't train hard enough, you know? (laughs) And then after the marathon, I was like, okay, I'm really sorry. I'll listen to whatever you want to say, you know? Um, (laughs) so it's easy to blame. Um, but, but another thing is, is it's really easy to, to trust him and, and to talk to him about how I feel and to know that my best interest is at heart, you know, and his best interest for me is at heart. And, but another thing though, that I've realized lately is like, so my dad, he used to run with Frank Shorter, like, in Boulder. They trained together. And I do – so my my longest workout, not including my long runs, but interval training, my longest workout is five by a mile, okay? Other marathoners are running 15 by a mile, not an uncommon workout. Ten by a mile minimum. And I'm like, Dad, like, I need – like, do you, is this okay, you know? And because it's my dad, he's like, yes, Nell, no, you know, here's why. Here are all the reasons why. And then a lot of my training is based off of what Frank Shorter did. He really, he was all about speed work. My dad is is really big into speed work. Um, faster, shorter intervals, not overdoing it, not overtraining. And so, for example, the other day, like, I got an opportunity to talk to Frank. And I was like is this true that you only did five by a mile? And cause I think my dad's lying to me, like just, you know, and like, I swear he was lying to me and he was like, no, he was like, I only did five by a mile. My longest long run was two hours or 20 miles, whatever came first, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But so another thing is it's, it's your dad, you know, and my dad tells me these things all the time. He tells me to, to, Don't overtrain. He, you know, talks to me about confidence. He talks to me about all these things. And sometimes I need someone else to tell them those to me that because I'm like, yeah, that's my dad, he thinks I'm the best thing that ever happened to this universe, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) By the way, here at Off the Couch, we like to make no assumptions that people know certain terminology or whatever. So when you were talking about five by fifteen by 10 by?
1: So for example, I do five miles, um, with like rest in between
0: five, one mile runs.
1: Yeah. Five by a mile. That's how I would say it. Five mile, one mile runs. Um, I put three to four minutes between those runs so that they can be good quality, high intensity workouts. Um, as opposed to 15 which is a totally normal thing for marathoners to do 15 1 miles with 1 minute in between.
0: And just curious from a time point of view what are your first mile times looking like compared to your fifth you know 1 mile run.
1: No, so I also and this is actually not common either I always my first couple intervals, whether I'm doing miles or, or 400s or, or I'm doing a run, everything I do, I, I warm up into. So I go nice and light, smooth, and I always finish hard. So for example, five by a mile, I'll start at, I don't know, the other day I started at five 25 pace, 525. And I went down to 458. Um, Yeah. So a lot of runners approach workouts. They go out hard because they're like, I have to run hard. I have to do this hard workout. And then they can't get any faster or they go backwards. And once you start going backwards, then you leave the track thinking you had a bad workout. And so I, I my goal is to never do that.
0: You want your last lap of the training session to be the fastest lap,
1: last lap or last interval, whatever it may be, like last mile.
0: And on that front, you your sense is that is uncommon in terms of how many distance runners are approaching their training.
1: Well, it sounds pretty intuitive, right? Like you're like you listening, you're like, yeah, well, that sounds right, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I mean, I try to talk to as many runners as I can just to kind of like see what they're doing, get their feedback, you know, and of course, like Boulder's the mecca of running. So I talk to a lot of girls. Um, and so, for example, I talked to a girl the other day and she had 10 by a mile. So that's good. We can talk about that. So you know what that's about. And I was like, wow, like that's a big workout. I said, so how did, and I asked her, I said, how do you approach that? Do you start out like, Little conservatively, and then work into it. And she says, "No, I just all I try to make them all the same pace. And if I were to, that wouldn't be possible for me, like because I want to get that quality. And if I want to run a five minute mile, then they're not all going to be that same pace. Um, And then, likely, I was talking to a girl that was doing twenty by four hundred, which." My, my most is 12 by 400 and, you know, she, most runners start too fast. They just, they just do, they can't get it into their head that to warm up into a workout because they're nervous or they're pushing too hard or they, they think the faster, the better. And so by the end of the workout, like you can even watch them and see they can, they either don't finish the workout or they run five seconds slower. It's just, I don't know why runners do it. <laughs> if you watch people race, it's the same. I always try to, like, my my two last marathons were negative split marathons. I ran one to three minutes faster. I think the first one I ran three minutes faster the last half. The last one I ran one minute faster the last half. And finished strong. Caught girls the last 10K. Um... But if you look at a lot of these runners, they're positive splitting. They start too fast and then they die. And I don't, that's, I've never had a good experience doing that. That's a hard way to run a race and it's not the fastest way to run a race.
0: That's a a pretty categorical, you know, like definitive statement you just made. You said, make sure I'm not misquoting you. That's the it's not the fastest way to run a race
1: to run slower the second half. Yep. So, research says that running dead even splits is going to be the fastest way to run. Um, and this is different, like an 800 is different than a marathon. Um, but you know, historically, if you look at the data, the fastest marathons are run, either slightly negative split, so faster the last half, or dead even splits. I mean, that's, that's also my personal experience. Um, and I think anyone who dies the last half of a marathon or even the last 10K of a marathon, I mean, they can literally, and I'm talking even elites, will come to a dead stop or a walk. Um, and that's clearly not how to run the fastest time.
0: <laughs> Technical question just back when you said the most you will do when it comes to running 400s is 12 400s. What kind of rest are you doing between those 12 400s?
1: Um, I do 90 seconds rest. Again, I think most runners in uh, most marathoners, long distance runners in 400 workouts would do a minute rest so that they wouldn't get quite as much recovery, so that, you know, they're more working um, out that lactic acid or they're working through it. Um, They don't, it doesn't clear. But um, again, like because I, my coach and my dad focus more on quality and speed work. I put a little bit more rest into the 400s and cut them down to just 12 instead of more typical for marathoners would be 20.
0: Um, I can't believe we've come this far and we haven't really talked about strength training yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> strength, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, which was the thing that I was like, I can't wait to talk to you about this part. And it's like, man, I've, I've exercised a lot of restraint or something. But um. um <laughs> This is another thing where you maybe are not uh, doing things uh, the way that many folks who are seriously training for marathons approach their training. So, strength training is is and has been a significant component of your own training. When did that first become a thing? Like, did you were you getting into strength training when back in the basketball days or during the triathlon competitions you were doing or when did this come about
1: my dad's always been into strength training he's always valued it and so i mean i remember being in middle school and my dad would be like okay come on we're gonna do so it's just in our garage we had some like really old strength equipment you know some dumbbells and a bench or whatever And he'd take me out there. And I specifically remember doing a lot of lat rows for some reason. Um, But we'd do like a circuit or something. Um, So I started strength training quite a while ago. Um, Nothing serious or anything. Um, And then in college, you know, I did it just as our team did it. We did it twice a week. And I don't think I took it that seriously. Um, You know, we got in there. We did whatever they had on the board. Um, but I think after college is when I started doing more of it. Um, and then recently, um, you know, started doing even more of it within the past, like, three or four years. I think just because I, I actually don't, I don't, I just think I enjoy it. I, I've, saw, I've seen a lot of benefits from it. Um, I've done some research on it and,
0: and, so that's why. So competitive marathon runners, there is still this bias or belief that, oh no, I, I, why, why on earth would I get into strength training? Like that might produce additional muscle, which means I'm going to be a bit heavier. And how on earth does that translate to fast times in the marathon? So what would you what would your response be to that? Um fairly common belief I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say look at the research. The research shows that I mean, as a as a as a runner, you just need to do strength training twice a week. I I I average twice a week and sometimes I do three. If I'm like just can't want to hang out with my friends and that's what we do socially. <laughs> Um, but if you look at the research doing twice a week, strength training for an hour, there's, and you're running, all these marathon runners are running upwards of 80 miles a week and you're running that much, it will not change your body composition. Um, someone might ask me like, well, then why are you so big? You know, well, this is my body. This is how my body has always been. It hasn't changed. Um, I'm just like, a have always been a big runner.
0: Shaquille O'Neal.
1: Exactly.
0: The kindergarten kindergarten Sh- Shaquille O'Neal. Little Shaq.
1: I'm the Shaq. I'm the Shaq of the this running is world. fantastic.
0: <laughs> I love this. Did we just coin that here? Yeah. Yeah, sick. <laughs> right that's, now. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I'm
1: going to run with it for sure, though. I like
0: that. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, and so we were talking about bit ago. I mean, I have got a, a fairly uh, extensive background in personal training and working with a bunch of different clients and athletes. And um, so it was interesting when you and I were talking that you were kind of reiterating to me like, no, man, this is still a really commonly held belief, what I would say, I think you would say kind of misperception among runners and I, I was saying to you, like, really? Like, I, I could see if this was like 1978, yeah. but this is still where a lot of top runners think we're living. But I, I think some of the obvious things is like, listen, running is a repetitive activity, right? And so like, I apparently need to talk to more top level long distance runners. But it's like, if you're not strength training, what on earth are you doing to make sure that you're not just hitting the same muscle groups over and over and entirely neglecting some very significant other ones.
1: Absolutely. And and not strengthening those tendons and ligaments that need to be strengthened with heavier weight. That's the only way you're going to do it. And that's the only way. I mean, strength training, I mean, forget about massages, forget about anything else like rehab and prehab is strength training? That's all it is.
0: So, when you're doing your work with high school athletes, and I guess I'd say you and your dad, is that strength training component something that you guys are already preaching and practicing with high schoolers?
1: Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. Um, you know, and and obviously, like a freshman girl comes in, I'm not going to train strength train them the, the same way as I train a senior a senior boy or a senior girl. Um, but you know, research used to say, or people used to say that, that it will stunt children's growth. Um, but research is coming out now that that's, if you do strength training correctly, that's actually not true either. Um, but even, even going through the, the, the movements with some younger kids, like body weight squats, light kettlebell squats, you know, so they learn that and they strengthen those so that when they get, see the problem right now is that people my age come to me and they're like, I want to strength train. And I'm like, and they're like, I want to do what you do. Cause that's all they want to do. They want to do what they see me doing on Instagram. And I'm like, you're like five years from that. You know what I mean? Or you're like, you know, you have to work up to that. And if I started when I was in middle school, you know, so it's like, so it's good that, you know, going, just doing the motions and learning that kind of stuff when you're a a kid is important.
0: I'm very curious if you have, let's just start with you personally. What are the key exercises or lifts for you um, in the kind of regular training regimen?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, so like I said, I usually I do twice a week, I strength train. It's a pretty intense session. Um I squat one day. Um
0: barbell barbell squat or just always barbell squat.
1: On one day, yes. I I always barbell squat. It could be back squat, it could be front squat. Um but so I, I barbell squat. I tend to go, I, I start with 10 reps, um, you know, four sets. Uh, the past marathon-like training cycle, I only do sets of or reps of three or, or reps of five, and I alternate those. So that's power and that's pure strength. I'm not doing any endurance type of lifting.
0: Wait a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep hitting the pause button just because I think this is really interesting. When you say you alternate you don't, do you mean in the same workout? So we're coming in, what, what days a week do you strength train?
1: Tuesday, Friday, which is, um, my track workouts as well.
0: Okay. So it's a Tuesday, Tuesday you're doing barbell squats.
1: Tuesday I'm doing barbell squats. Yeah.
0: Okay. So we're coming in say to whatever this coming Tuesday's session. When you say you alternate between three and five reps, that's not in the same workout. You don't do first set at three reps, second set at five, then back to three. I take it you mean every other week?
1: Yeah, every other week. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Tuesdays, barbell squats. One week, three reps. Next week, five reps. Third week, back to three.
1: Yep. And so when I do these barbell squats, I always pair them. This is this is what has worked for me in the past two years, and this is how I'll continue doing them. But um, I do the barbell squats. I do a weighted plyo right after that, so that can vary anything from um, like a it could be like a box jump holding uh, holding weight, so holding two dumbbells, or it could be a med ball throw. Um, And then I go to a non-weighted plyo, which would be like I don't know a single leg box jump, or it could be like um, single leg running or broad jumps. And then I go right to a banded plyo, which is a speeds up the plyo. Um, so like, for example, vertical jumps holding a band. So I spring out really fast and and high. Um, so I'll do, that's what I do on, on one day. I'll do like three to four sets of those and then some accessory work, which single leg work. um, so maybe some Bulgarian split squats, those i tend to keep at higher reps um just because they're not power they're more uh, I, I guess i'd say running specific and trying to just recruit all the different muscle all the muscles that i'll use for running um and so i do that one day and then the next day i'll do i usually do cleans um which i i think cleans I, I really like cleans. I love doing them. I think they're really fun. I think you rec- they really help your body recruit muscles when you ask your body to recruit those muscles. So on a wet, like, things recruit at the, at the right time. Um, and they keep me powerful, which I think is important. Um, so I'll do cleans. And then I'll do kind of the same thing, except for in place of squats, I'll do deadlifts, barbell deadlifts.
0: When you say you'll do kind of the same thing, are we now talking about your Friday workout?
1: Friday, yeah.
0: Friday, yeah. 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 So deadlifts instead of barbell squats, and you'll and you'll stick to that three reps, five reps, three reps, alternating.
1: Yeah. Yep. And then I, um, I'll add in like eccentric, so slow down um, or isometric. Um, I'll kind of go through cycles of those. <laughs>
0: And so, how much then do you switch up and deviate versus how much? I, I'm I'm not. I know it's like not cool and it's definitely not trending. But personally, <laughs> I'm not in the like my. I never do two of the same workout. You know what I mean? Like some people are like, oh, I I, I like have my things that I like to do, and and I I just enjoy coming back with some of these core exercises in particular, that these are just staples for me. And I'm not, I am not, I guess, maybe mentally wired or something on the like, it's different every time. So how do you approach that?
1: Oh, I think it's, it's, I think it's very important that there's a progression of the same exercises to an extent, you know, so I'm like you, I think, you know, if you're doing a different exercise every time, then it's like, how do you, like, how are you getting that that specific progression because, I mean, my workouts, they're not just going in the gym and exercising because I'm a, I'm a runner, you know, my workout, I'm not, I'm not going in there to get more exercise. My workouts are like geared towards, okay, you have a race in 16 weeks. This is what we're going to work on. And then they go to this and this, you know? Um, So I stick to the same things. My plyos definitely progress, like, you know, as I get more agile and um those are different, but but they they rotate, yeah.
0: I find this really interesting because like back in my football playing days or basketball, it it was it was like, well, I'm doing this to you know, one, avoid injury when I'm taking huge hits, right? Or you want to be a bit a bit more explosive, right, on a football field or a basketball court. You, however, it's like everything you're doing in your training really kind of comes down to like, can I shave a little bit of time off of a race of a race? It's a very specific single metric, right? And so like, like you're just make, to make your point, as you kind of just said, it's like, man, I'm not just in here trying to get some exercise. Like the stuff that you are doing is all about bringing those race times down and so if there's some better thing you could be doing like there's zero reason for you not to switch up
1: this is all you know it's 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 scientifically based but it's also what has worked for me in the past and it's also like what my body can handle so yeah it's but it's all like everything I do is definitely like is this going to make me faster on February 29th
0: Let's talk about February 29th. What's February 29th?
1: Um, so that is the um, Olympic marathon trials.
0: Hmm. And this is where?
1: It's in Atlanta, Georgia.
0: My God, that's real soon.
1: Oh my gosh. I mean, three weeks has never felt like a shorter amount of time. It's like, I'm like, oh my God, three weeks, like might as well be tomorrow.
0: How are you feeling about this? Um are are you feeling prepared is are you like well i think so but who knows until the day of the race like what's your what's your kind of mindset about this
1: um oh man it is so hard to come into these races feeling prepared because if you've ever been nervous for something like I and like I see this a lot as a coach like your first instinct is like oh man I am not ready you're not or like this is happening this is how you know you know it's it's all like running is is mental it's all mental you know if you come into a race and you're like I am I am excited like the way I race best is if I'm like I am excited to get after this challenge and I'm excited to like see what I got out there, run a smart race and focus on process goals and not outcome goals. And I think that's the most important thing that I can keep on reminding myself, like who, like making the Olympic team top three, like that is a huge goal. And obviously it's my goal coming into this race. But every time I focus on that goal, I get stressed. I just get stressed and I start getting negative. So I'm like, I'm like, no, just focus on like feeling good during the race, running a smart race, being excited to be out there. Um, so, so now I'm getting excited and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, and I feel good right now. So hopefully I can put together a good race.
0: (laughs) So process, you say you're focusing on the process, not the results. One thing we already know is then that you would be on February 29th trying to run an even split or a negative split.
1: Oof. So this is the one race. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, (laughs) it's, this is going to be hard. I I mean, I've talked to my dad, I've I've contemplated. It's like, how do you approach this race? Like what, what are you going to like, how am I going to run this? And when it comes down to it, it has to be intuitive because a it's a hilly course. It's like, it's hilly and there's no way of getting around it. Like it's going to be a tough course. B I have it's i'm running for place i'm not running for time my last two races i was running for time i was focused on myself i didn't care about anyone else um and now it's like okay i want to run smart i don't want to go out fast so that's that's where on a hilly course running smart not going out fast is where you settle into a pace and you're like this is it like i feel comfortable i'm not i'm not like i'm not pushing that threshold yet you know I'm not gonna like I'm gonna be able to get faster and then and then looking around and saying okay where is everyone else you know where are my competitors that I need to beat are they right there can I leave them right there should I let that girl go off the front because I I'm pretty sure she's gonna die um listening to them they're breathing being like okay these girls you know, they'll, they'll die in a second or whatever. Um, and so that it's, it's going to have to be intuitive. And I honestly have no idea what it's going to look like, but I think whoever, whoever's top three is going to run the smartest races.
0: Do you have guesses about what the winning time on this particular course might look like?
1: Yeah. I think that the winning time might be in the 225s, but I think top three, so what it's going to take to make the Olympic team is going to be in the 226s. That's my prediction. And honestly, it could be slower than that. It's a hilly course, so it could be 227.
0: That's real fast.
1: Oh, it's fast. I mean, yeah, it's fast. I mean... I I ran 228.06. I'm coming in 13th um, place right now, kind of seated 13th. But, I mean, I ran my 228 at a net downhill. I mean, there were some hills, but it's a net downhill course in perfect weather. Um, do I think that I'm faster than that? Yes, I th- I, I absolutely think I'm faster than that. So, I mean, there's so many variables that go into it, um, but so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be exciting.
0: Yeah. And that that 228.06, when was that?
1: That was June um, of last year, 2019, June 22nd.
0: So you've had some nice amount of months of training since then.
1: Yeah. And, you know, my numbers have gotten faster. Um That race, I ran the last 10 miles alone. So I think there are some things that can definitely, I can say that like, if I were to run that same course that I ran in June again, I think I could be at least three minutes faster.
0: When do you head to Atlanta?
1: I don't head there until the Thursday. It's on a Saturday. So I don't go until Thursday. I kind of like to stay out and um, be in my own environment up until the race. So I'll go on the twenty seventh.
0: That's the Thursday.
1: That's the Thursday. Yeah.
0: Race is Saturday. Awesome. Well, we're gonna be rooting very, very hard for you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. No offense, everyone else, but <laughs> we've got we're gonna have a big foam number one finger. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Um, Thanks. And I mean, the other thing to say is, I mean, it's, that's insane to me that like you kind of just started this whole marathon thing.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something I got on my side. It's like, you know what? This was never on my radar. I would love to make the Olympic team, but my real goal is making the Olympic team in four years, in 2024. And I think that, you know, if you look at marathon careers, when you start them, you people get faster for about five years and then they plateau and they can race at that level for another five years. So I think, I think I've an exciting, hopefully career ahead of me. And so yeah, really no pressure,
0: no pressure when you're not running or coaching or strength training. What are you into?
1: I love, I, I, I travel a decent amount so i somehow fit in some trips in there i just got a puppy (laughs) so (laughs) that was a bad idea but love my puppy terrible timing um hang out with my puppy a lot i love i love i just love being around my friends and laughing and you know normal people stuff
0: Yeah, it's it's good to know. Like I was I didn't want people to leave with the, you know, the sense that it was like you wake up, you're running and then immediately to the gym and then you're coaching and then you just like go to bed and then do the exact same thing. It's like there there are some there is some normal people stuff and a puppy
1: and a puppy. (laughs) Well, I think I think you know, a lot of, um, some of the best compliments I get are just like that. I am like pretty relatable, you know, I'm not like (laughs) you wouldn't like talk to me and be like, wow, what a nerdy runner, you know, or like, it's like, I, you know, I had my fair share of partying and I still like to party. I don't do it. Right now, but I like to party.
0: (laughs) You're not partying right now as we have this conversation. I appreciate you, you know, hitting the pause button on that. Yeah,
1: I tried to. Yeah, I did. I I was sober for a couple hours for you. (laughs)
0: Appreciate that. You put the shots, kept the shots aside uh, for the for for the moment. Okay. Um, Yeah. Well, this is cool. No, I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I mean, it's fun. One having this conversation right before a big upcoming race of yours. It's also fun that really, as we've just got done saying, like, you're kind of at the start of this new career.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm I, I feel like I'm like really lucky and I am really grateful for what I have and am able to do. So it's awesome.
0: And I really get the sense that all those kids in Boulder that you are working with Seems like I'm thinking they're pretty lucky right now, too. (laughs) And um, like we said, on the 29th, we will be rooting hard for you. Thank you. That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Nell for the terrific conversation. Thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd encourage you to subscribe to Off the Couch. Tell your friends about the show. And take just a second and leave us a nice little rating in iTunes. Now until next time, keep moving forward and we will talk to you again next week.